Hello, welcome to Tiz Talk. Welcome to Tiz Talk. This is a podcast coming from Tisbury, Wiltshire and surrounding villages. I'm Julianne Murphy. And I'm Mary Myers. This is the week beginning 20th of November. So Mary, isn't it interesting how many people we're uncovering in Tisbury that do really fascinating things or have done very interesting things? Yeah, it's true. Tisbury is full of either retired or current really interesting people. For example, Clancy Steer, BAFTA, BAFTA winner. Yeah. You know? uh, this week I talked to Julia Killick, who was the governor of Holloway Prison. I mean, yeah. it's extraordinary, worth yeah. listening to. Yeah, and we're going to have Clancy coming up. Really interesting. Yeah, I think we've got an endless supply. Guy's Marsh and Holloway are two prisons that have been governed by Julia Killick, our special guest this week, who lives in Tisbury. So you can do a lot with women, which I found I couldn't do with men. Then we have some hopeful news about elm trees from Peter Shalcross. And we drove along this avenue of all of these mature elm trees looking fantastic. Four kilometres of them, three wide, and it was a fantastic sight followed by a bit of comic poetry. There's nothing worse than a mobile call that's only halfway heard, as one strains on the train to imagine the other's missing phrase or word. We then go to Lower Lawn Barns and sample the wares at Clem's Fair. I feel quite passionate about people supporting small businesses, especially at this time of year. And even if you just turn up, you're by being here, you are supporting the fair. And we end with the What's On listings. Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. Now, Julianne went down to see Julia Killick, resident of Tisbury and former governor of Guy's Marsh and Holloway Prisons. Well, I'm just here in my kitchen looking out on a horrible, very dull, grey, rainy morning. I'm contemplating going to see a lady called Julia who lives in Tisbury and has had an unusual career. I think you'd call it unusual in that you don't meet many people that had Julia's job. Hello, Julia. How How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hello. Julia. Hi. Hi. Hello, Barry. Yeah, fine. Shall I take my boots off? No, 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 come in. God, what a horrible day it is. Julia Killick, and I live in Tisbury and have now lived here since 2010. Where are you originally from, Julia? From London. How did you end up in Tisbury? Um, Because uh, I was transferred to Guy's Marsh Prison uh, up in Shaftesbury. Um, Julia, what did you do there? uh, I was the governor. You were the governor? Yes. Interesting. I was previously running an immigration removal centre down in Portsmouth. Um, This job came up in in Guy's Marsh and got the job. Uh, So I was at Guy's Marsh from 2008 till the middle of 2010 uh, when I got the phone call to say we'd like you to apply for the Governor of Holloway. And I thought, oh, I'd like to be the Governor of Holloway, but I don't want to leave Tisbury. So we decided we would stay in Tisbury um, 
and I would apply for the job in Holloway and see what happened. So you're at Guy's Marsh for about two years two as governors. Yes. At the time that I went there, the younger men had been moved out and it became a Category C male prison. Um, nearly 500 men in Category C, which means they're serving their sentence. It's classed as a training prison, so they should be there to work before they get released or go to an open prison if they're on a longer sentence. Would that be normal to have a female governor? There's no issue with having a female governor no, in a male that's... prison. In, in fact, I would say it's good. So the challenges, what what does that entail, being a governor? Well, it's very, very different whether you're governing a male prison or a female prison. So um, in a male prison, I found it quite challenging because of violence. I, I don't like violence anyway. So I did find it quite difficult. And also, and I'm talking in large generalisations, the men don't talk and they, they're all innocent. So they go around, um, yeah, in denial and it's not my fault, Gov, and lots of drugs. And it, it's a deeply unpleasant atmosphere, which... I can imagine. I was pleased I was doing that job down here at Shaftesbury because I used to go out and that, um, I took up running. So I used to go up running specifically to just get out and go For out. For your own mental health. Yeah, look yeah. at the hills and... Many a time I would come, you know, sort of down and just go and get myself lost, thinking, oh, why am I doing this? <laughs> really? What a challenging position. Yes, yes. So Holloway came up. So I knew Holloway, and from Holloway I'd done all male prisons, young offenders, immigration removal centres, and I thought, oh, yes, <laughs> I'd like to go back to Holloway and work with women because... They're very, very different. They talk, as, as most women will appreciate. So you can actually work with them. And the majority of them are wanting to change and are thinking, oh, my God, how did I get myself here? So you can do a lot with women, which right. I found I couldn't do with men. And women, the women really liked having a woman governor. When the call came, I thought I'd just have to apply. And fortunately got the job and was there for five years. So I was the longest serving governor. It, it just suited me. I loved it. Did you? Yeah. Did you finish because you retired or did you go on to do something else after that? I finished because the government shut Holloway. Did they? So um, I was told in November 2015, a week before the statement in Parliament, it, it came up in... The Chancellor's statement about, uh, and I was told a week before, told to keep it secret that Holloway was shutting and they were selling it. And I, at that point, I thought, do you know what? <laughs> I can't go back. And when you hear accounts of Wandsworth and yes. things like that, you yes. think uh, it sounds so unmanageable. How yes, we still had the house in, in Tisbury and I thought, no, I'm, I can go back and I can retire early. I was... 56 when I retired I thought I'll get a little job doing a bit of nothing you know I can be I can just be quiet yeah. in Tisbury it'll be very nice to be quiet and sane. in Tisbury and sane yes um what made you go into that world in the first place what was your career progression um so I was working in local authority housing and I was a magistrate so as part of being a magistrate I got a visit to a prison 
we went to uh, uh, Belmarsh, actually, which is a male prison in London, and a governor actually took us round. Oh, now what an interesting job. <laughs> and, th- and just by coincidence, there was an advert in the Sundays that, that week that said, um, new scheme, direct entry, trainee governors. And I applied, and that, that was my route. Ah, interesting. So you've retired to Tisbury, but sort of because you're you're involved with things around yes, here. So yes. what do you get up to? So I'm on the committee of the Nadder Valley Art Society and I do the bar. I'm on the board of the Prison Reform Trust, so I still keep involved in in prisons and specifically around women and and prison reform. And my only paid role is as a employment judge at Tribunal at Southampton. And you did mention your husband worked in the world of prisons as He's well. Up at Guy's Mar. As so, a prison officer or uh, a... no, he does the staffing. So he's he's in the back offices, so to speak. Right. So it's sort of family business. Really. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. Although neither of us were in prisons before we met. Can I ask you the sort of fun questions? So what gets you out of bed in the morning? So in the summer it's the swimming pool. <laughs> Because oh, I yes. love the outdoor swimming pool. Our swimming pool. And in the winter, it's my cats. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. What's your favourite disc you take to a desert island? Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm a complete Queen fan. Okay, brilliant. What do you most like and dislike about Tisbury? Um, I most like its friendliness and that it's got everything. And in the summer, I most like the swimming pool. <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> and dislike, I don't have any. I, don't I you? generally don't have anything that I dislike about Tisbury. Yeah, I agree. What's your favourite local view? When we come home and you're at the top of the high street and you drive down the high street and you see it and the hills in the background and the shops, that's, yeah. I always think, oh, yes, we're home. Dogs or cats? Cats. Tea or coffee? Tea. Beer or wine? Wine. And would you prefer Radio 1, 2 or 3? Or oh, even 4. 4. Football or rugby? Neither, really. But if I had to pick rugby. OK. Well, Julia, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been really interesting talking to you. Pleasure. You're listening to Tiz Talk from Tisbury, Wiltshire. Next, we're back down at Walmead Farm with Peter Shalcross for a November update. So the main uh, happening is the, the hour change because once winter starts... The cows are indoors. There's a routine which goes on right through to to April. But there's this hour change, which is a, a subtle change. It's not a, a huge one, but we have to allow the cows the time to change because they, they, they're milked an hour later, uh, morning and evening. And so that affects their, their routine a little bit. So the way we do this on the Sunday morning, we just, um, whoever's milking and feeding starts an, half an hour early and then on the Monday it's the full hour just to give them time to 
get used to it because um, they don't sleep very much. They, they rest, but they're up and around anyway. Um, but they are waiting and they're almost upset that it's an hour late because they're, they're so used to the, the routine. So the cows are, are waiting to be milked to relieve the pressure on their udders. And also they get fed lots of cake, lots of um, concentrates in the parlour as well. So an hour difference to them is, is quite a big deal. Uh, it's the same as if for some reason we oversleep or, or there's a breakdown and they're waiting quite a long time, two or three hours. Yeah, it really upsets them. A couple of weeks ago, I went, with, I went to Holland with Andrew Brooks. We drove down to Portsmouth and then took the ferry um, and then drove four or five hours past Amsterdam into northern Holland where the, the, the elms that I bought are being looked after. So they've been there quite some time and they've grown really, really well. And there's 6,100 of these trees. And so I was sorting out with, with Ronnie Nyber, who is the, the owner of the, the site, how we're going to get them back to the UK with all the disease precautions, all the phytosanitary um, certificates, making sure they've been checked throughout the, the time they've been at the nursery. And that was all really satisfactory. So in, in December, I hope to see these trees uh, arrive. So there's over 6,000 Adamus elms, which are resistant to Dutch elm disease. And once they arrive here, I'll get a, a trench dug for them and they'll be healed in so the roots stay um, nice and damp until I sell them. So a few will be planted on the farm, but most of they'll be sold, distributed um, UK-wide. So a little known fact about elm disease is that um, Dutch elm disease gets its name not from the fact that it was in Holland um, originally, it's because the Dutch initiated the breeding programs to find resistance to those elms. And when I was in Holland, I saw um, a long avenue of elms planted in the, the 70s by the pioneer of elm-resistant breeding. And we drove along this avenue of all of these mature elm trees looking fantastic. Four kilometres of them, three wide, and it was a fantastic sight. So last night, the Tisbury and District Natural History Society committee met to sort out next year's programme. But before that, we've got um, two meetings coming up uh, in the next month. The first one is the 23rd of November and the Young Nature Watch holding a, a, a viewing of a film, River Blue, which is a really good film about river pollution, water pollution. Following on from that is our Christmas party meeting, which is on the 14th of December. Half an hour to have a, a party. And then John Aykroyd is talking to us about plants and us. He's a fantastic botanist, very interesting. So it was really good to have all the committee having ideas and pulling it all together in one go. As we were saying, there are lots of interesting people in Tisbury, including Simon Holder, author of several novels. He also writes comic verse, and here's one of his poems. Mobile phones. There's nothing worse than a mobile call that's only halfway heard, as one strains on the train to imagine the other's missing phrase or word. Passengers listen intensely wrapped from behind their papers curled, secretly imagining backgrounds to that steamy unknown world, 
Sex, scandal, intrigue, murder, mistress, lover, even new leaked government files help the journey as the train speeds to work, fast eating up the miles. And then into the tale another phone rings, and confusion reigns supreme, blotting out what's happening in the first life storied scene. And so the tempted ears extend into both the sizzling story's crannies, tuning in to macho man, new bride, or trembling old shot grannies. But with the calls at different points of their seedy hushed narrations, the interest wanes as the train speeds on through life's turgid fleeting stations. So the threads are lost, and annoyance casts a disappointed pall, because really one just wished the phones had never rung at all. And listen out for our full interview with Simon Holder in a few weeks' time. Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. Now I go down to Clem's Fair in Lower Lawn Barns to talk to Clem herself. I'm Clem Stone. I live uh, in Sherburn, but I come over back to Tisbury um, and I run the fairs, Clem's Fairs, and um, also Compton Marbling. So, yes, I've always known this as Compton Marbling. So can you tell us the difference? Yes. So Compton Marbling was set up 52 years ago by my mother um, and we relaunched it about four years ago. My mother has taught my friend Al to marble so he now does all the marbling and when we relaunched it we changed the fair's name to Clem's Fairs just so that it was two different um, businesses and not to confuse people Um, and I used to have my shop here uh, which was Clementine's shop which local people might have heard about my shop Um, but sadly that closed after Covid but I now continue the marbling and, and the fairs. And it's Low Lawn Farms, just outside of Tisbury, from the road from the Beckford Arms. Lots of people know the Beckford Arms, um, and it's all signposted. So we're in the middle of a beautiful courtyard. It's a 19th century courtyard, um, and it looks stunning today with the sunshine. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, the stalls are all in the uh, rooms all around the, around the courtyard, and then we have a marquee attached at the back. Um, yes. We have about 45 stands this weekend, and then we have another different lot of stands next weekend as well. And so has this place been in your family for a long time? Yes, my parents moved here when my mother was pregnant with me. Um, So that is 42 years ago. They didn't actually own the barns when they first bought the house. They bought the barns separately and they developed them by um, restoring them. And it's where my father's worked. He's a designer and my mother began the marbling. And your parents are? My parents are Humphrey and Solveig Stone and they have lived in this area for a long time. They lived in Newtown before they moved here. Yeah. Yeah. And can you just explain what marbling is? You might have done it at school, lots of people do it at school. You boil up the seaweed, although my mother used to boil seaweed, Al now just has to make it with powder. Um, so the seaweed forms a sort of gelatine substance which the paint floats on. So you have your tank, you make your um, base, you flick your paints, flick your paints into the tank and use a needle or a comb to create your pattern. You lay your paper very carefully without getting an air bubble drag it on the side, um, hang it up, wash it, hang it up to dry, and that is your sheet of paper. Um, and we sell the flat sheets of paper to interior designers and people use them using it as wallpaper in their um, downstairs bathroom or behind shelving. But we um, make it into lots of different products. So we make into lampshades and box files, lots of stationery. We also do a bit of printed marbling um, trays and mugs. Um, but we want really want to just be making products that use the actual hand marble sheet of paper so that when you buy your notebook 
you are buying a beautiful piece of craft, not just a printed thing. Just, uh, when I had my shop, I used to sell my mother's marble products in the shop. And then about four years ago, we decided to kind of recreate it as its own business again. Right. Alex Lewis does the marbling. My, yeah, my mother taught him and he is producing beautiful sheets of marble paper. I and I do the business side. So I right. deal with the suppliers and the website and everything. So just another quick plug for next week. So we have next weekend is on the 24th and 25th of November. It's from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's free entry, free parking. There's a lovely cafe by Bird and Carter. I feel quite passionate about people supporting small businesses, especially at this time of year. And even if you just turn up, you're by being here, you are supporting the fair. And even if you buy a card, that's still supporting a small business. Thank you, <laughs> Thank very, you much. very much. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram at TizTalk Radio. And now we have the What's Ons with Simon Davison. With daylight fading each day, it's heartening to know there is plenty to get involved with and to entertain us this coming week. On Tuesday the 21st of November, the Tisbury Parish Council Environment Committee is holding its November meeting in the Parish Reading Room on the High Street at 6pm. They will be discussing the tree pruning workshop taking place in December, plus considering the launch of a tree initiative and community tree audit. All are welcome. On Wednesday the 22nd, Tisbury Memory Group is hosting a pop-up cafe in the Hinton Hall from 10am to 12. On Friday the 24th, Tisbury Community Choir is performing its autumn concert, Renaissance to Rock and Roll, in the Victoria Hall at 7.30pm with doors opening at 7pm. Proceeds from the suggested £5 donation will go to the Trussell Trust. In the evening of Friday the 24th, at Messam's, Bruce Munro is giving an artist talk to launch Fiona Gruber's new book, Lightfield, The Art of Bruce Munro. For more information, visit the Messam's website. Also on Friday the 24th, and again on Saturday 25th, is the second weekend of Clem's Christmas Fair at Lower Lawn Barns, which will be open from 10am to 5pm both days. On Saturday the 26th in the morning, there is an early start for the Tisbury Gentlemen's Club who are meeting in the Royal Oak Swallow Cliff at 8.30am through to 10.15. Guest speaker General Sir Nick Parker will be talking about the highs and lows of working with a charity. Reservations are required by Wednesday the 22nd, either by emailing Paul Budd on pvbudd at gmail.com or calling Jeremy Say on 01747 871 805. On Saturday evening, the Rain or Shine Theatre Company are performing Frankenstein at the Victoria Hall at 7pm, with doors opening at 6.30pm. You can expect gags, fast-paced chaos, well-timed comic set pieces, and lots and lots of hats. Tickets are £12 for adults and £8 for children. Then on Sunday the 26th, there is another early start for those over 12-year-olds attending the Young Nature Watch Owl Pellet Dissection and Analysis Workshop running from 9am to 1pm. Tickets are £10 and available from the Eventbrite website. 
That's it. www.eventbrite.co.uk On Sunday afternoon, Cliff Richards' concert, The Blue Sapphire Tour, is being shown in the Victoria Hall at 3pm, with doors opening at 2.30pm. This is a recorded concert from the Hammersmith Apollo, being shown in cinemas only. Tickets are £15 for adults and £8 for children. And on Sunday evening, 7th Art Film is showing Klimt and the Kiss at the Victoria Hall at 7pm with doors opening at 6.30. This film delves into the scandalous life and the rich tapestry of extraordinary influences behind one of the world's favourite paintings. Tickets are £12 for adults and £8 for children. And that's it for this week. And that's all from us this week. If you want to get in touch, go to tiztalkradio at gmail.com. Thanks very much this week to Simon Davison and Keelan Pybus for the What's Ons. Mm-hmm.